0: Today is the 18th Sunday after Trinity Sunday, and the gospel reading appointed for this day is taken from the 22nd chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, beginning with the 34th verse. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How then does David in the Spirit call him Lord? Saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare question him any more. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. Amen. In the reading from the Book of Concord, which is appointed for today, we read of the fundamental distinction between the law and the Gospel. For there we read, We believe, teach, and confess that the distinction between the law and the gospel is to be maintained in the church as an especially brilliant light, whereby, according to the admonition of St. Paul, the word of God may be rightly divided. We behold such a clear distinction of law and gospel in the assigned gospel reading for this day. The Pharisees asked Jesus a question of the law. And he responded to them with a question concerning the gospel. The Pharisees are concerned with what God's law commands men to do. And Jesus replies to that question with a perfect summary of God's law in two commandments. But the reply that Jesus makes, asking the Pharisees a question regarding David's son and David's Lord, reveals the ignorance of the Pharisees concerning the good news of the gospel. They did not understand what the Christ had come to do, to free men from the punishment for sin. Because David's son is David's Lord, we have an advocate with the Father, whose shed blood covers our sin. In the Old Testament reading, we hear the words of Moses to the people, speaking to them of the first great commandment of the law. Thus he speaks to them, in Deuteronomy chapter 10, of what is required of them. For there we read, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good? Indeed, heaven and the highest heaven belong to the Lord your God, also the earth and all that is in it. The great commandment sets forth what we owe to our Creator, He has made and sustains heaven and earth. Therefore, we owe our very existence to the Lord. The law is a divine doctrine, which teaches what is right and pleasing to God, and reproves everything that is sin and contrary to God's will. Therefore, everything that reproves sin is, and belongs to, the preaching of the law. In this great commandment of the law, we behold the majestic simplicity of the law, The one who loves the Lord with all his heart and soul, and who keeps the commandments of the Lord, will live. As we are taught in the first of the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods, we know that this means we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. The person who truly loves the Lord our God with all his heart and soul, who never allows anything else to take first place in his heart and soul, such a one would keep the law. Thus the Pharisees came to Jesus, and, as we read in Matthew's gospel, one from their midst, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, and saying, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? The summary of the law which Jesus gives is the same as that which the lawyer had spoken to Jesus on the occasion when our Lord toward, told the parable of the good Samaritan. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Behold the wonderful blessing of God's law. We are taught the simple summary of the law in the Ten Commandments, and that alone should be a wonder to us, that so much can be given to man in so few words to know the will of the Lord for the conduct of our lives. But this law of the Lord is summarized in an even more brief form and given in two commandments. Men marvel that but a single commandment was given to Adam in the garden of Eden. Man was not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the midst of the garden. If man had truly loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, he would never have eaten of the fruit of the tree. If Adam and Eve had not eaten of the fruit of the tree they would have continued to love their neighbors as themselves. The division of mankind in enmity toward one another begins with rebellion against the Lord. Having sinned against the commandment which the Lord had given, they were divided from one another, perceived their nakedness, and were ashamed. Reduced to but two commandments, we still did not keep the law because our sin keeps the fulfillment of even the first great commandment outside of our grasp. The law of God is good, as St. Paul wrote to the Romans. Therefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. The problem, our problem, is as St. Paul describes. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. What St. Paul says concerning himself is true for every one of us. The problem isn't the law. We are the problem. The Pharisees, for all their supposed love of the law, were still seeking an escape from the law by means of the law. Thus, they were still not in submission to the law, but in rebellion. Thus, the lawyer who once came to Jesus asked, And who is my neighbor? A man is still in rebellion when he is trying to figure out how far the law is applicable. A man is a rebel when he is trying to figure out how far the domain of the just ruler extends. A man is a criminal when he hopes to escape a jurisdiction or evade the law until a statute of limitations would deliver him from responsibility for his crime. But we have heard, and we hear, in Deuteronomy the 10th chapter, Indeed, heaven and the highest heaven belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. Thus there is no limit to the domain, to the authority, of the lord the rebellion of sinful man is depraved and futile truly the law is a divine doctrine which teaches what is right and pleasing to god and reproves everything that is sin and contrary to god's will therefore everything that reproves sin is and belongs to the preaching of the law but we have utterly failed to uphold that good law Instead, damnation is what every sinner has earned, truly earned, on account of his rebellion against the holy law. Jesus answered the question posed by the Pharisee, but they could not reply to him. For thus we hear, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. At this point they think that they understand the answer. They certainly remembered such a basic promise regarding the promised Messiah. This had been the, pro- the promise of the line of the house of David. They believed in the promised redemption of God's people, and they knew that promise would be fulfilled through the son of David. But then Jesus confronted them with another teaching of scripture. He said to them, How then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? This they could not answer, and their pride prevented them from asking Jesus, lest they would reveal their ignorance. But in the answer to this question is the healing and comfort of the Holy Gospel. For the Gospel is properly such a doctrine as teaches what man who has not observed the law, and therefore is condemned by it, should believe. That is, that Christ has expiated and made satisfaction for all sins and without any merit of theirs, has obtained and acquired forgiveness of sins, righteousness that avails before God, and eternal life. This is the doctrine of the atonement. Thus we believe and confess that David's son is David's Lord, because the Christ is both God and man. He is David's son, because Jesus is truly man, born of the the Blessed Virgin Mary, in the city of David, which is Bethlehem. St. Matthew and St. Luke record the genealogy of Jesus in their Gospels, so that all may see that Jesus is of the house and line of David, in accordance with the promise of God's word. Thus, in the fullness of time, the promise was fulfilled, and the Savior of the world was born. But the Christ is also David's Lord, for he is very God of very God. Thus, at Jesus' baptism, the voice of the Father was heard from heaven, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And the writer to the Hebrews makes it clear that Jesus is not simply a prophet, but that he is the true eternal Son of God. For thus we read, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's. Thus we believe, and confess, that David's son is also David's Lord, for the Messiah born of the house of David is also truly the Son of God, through whom all creation came to be. This one, this everlasting Son, is the one who was born to die for our sins, to make atonement for the people, an atonement made by the one who in innocence paid for the iniquity of us all. This one, Jesus Christ, ascended to the right hand of the Father on the fortieth day of his resurrection, and is there as our advocate with the Father. And from thence he shall come on the last day, to raise us from our graves, when he gathers his church to himself forever. Thus Jesus defeated the errors of the Sadducees. For we read in Matthew 22, But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham? the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. The Son of God knew the saints of old to be with the Lord, though their dust lay in their tombs. And he spoke with Moses and Elijah upon the Mount of Transfiguration, in the presence of Peter, James, and John, and thereby demonstrated the blessed communion the saints have with their living Lord. Because David's son is David's Lord, we have an advocate with the Father Whose shed blood covers our sin. The punishment for our violation of the holy law has fallen upon the Son of God, who willingly suffered and died to save us. In his resurrection, we behold the victory of our Redeemer, and see our hope that we too shall rise. We have been baptized into Jesus' death, and we are thus partakers of his resurrection. St. Paul wrote to the Corinthians God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son jesus christ our lord in this holy fellowship we abide by his grace living in repentance and trusting in christ jesus our life and our hope thus the church communes partaking of his body and blood in the fellowship of his church and thus we abide in this living hope until jesus returns in glory at the last day to deliver us from this veil of tears and to gather us to himself forever. Amen. Let us pray. O God, forasmuch as without thee we are not able to please thee, mercifully grant that thy Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. The people of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone invite you to visit them today for the 10 a.m. worship service Sunday School follows immediately after the Divine Service, and in our Bible class right now we are studying St. Peter's First Epistle. Salem was located approximately two miles north of Malone, off of FM 308. For more information on Salem Lutheran Church or these broadcasts, you may visit us on the internet at www.salemlutheranchurch.net. These broadcasts are provided through the support of the members of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone.